You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Testimonies with Terry. Thanks for tuning in. And as I'm sure you're all aware of at the time of this recording, Russia has been invading Ukraine, and it's just such an unfortunate and sad situation. My heart goes out to all the innocent people that are involved and caught up in this. And today, you're actually going to hear the testimony of a woman who grew up in Russia when it was known as the Soviet Union. You'll hear what her experience was like both before and after the fall of the Soviet Union and get an idea of what the culture was like. Throughout her testimony, you'll hear how the lack of love she received throughout her childhood, along with sexual trauma, led her to seeking out love, affection, and self-worth in all the wrong ways. Eventually marrying an American man, you'll hear how cultural differences almost led to the demise of their marriage until Jesus showed up. From there, incredible testimonies about spiritual gifts, infertility, and finances will help you see how Jesus has brought complete purification and restoration to this amazing, strong, and courageous woman. Ladies and gentlemen, This is Natalia Thompson's testimony. All right, guys, I am so excited for today's episode because we got Natalia Thompson on the show today. You guys are going to love her testimony. Natalia, this is the first time that we're actually meeting face to face. So this is pretty cool. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and and being willing to come on and, and share your story. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. I'm actually doing it. I was so nervous. And um, yeah, but you know, I want, I'm excited. Yes. Yes. So as you guys can probably tell, Natalia, you're not from here. Why don't we start off with where were you born? Yeah, um, I'm Russian-American and um, I have two citizenships, American and Russian. Uh, but I was born and lived in the, the Viet Union, a country that doesn't exist anymore and um, very involved in communism. And most of people didn't believe in God. So I grew up in a family that didn't believe, we didn't believe in God, we didn't go to church, we didn't celebrate Christmas. Um, yeah. So what was that like for you, Natalia, growing up in a communist country? Well, um, I thought it was very nice because we didn't know better. Everybody lived kind of the same uh, lives. Um they were kind of, we were kind of all poor, and um, there were not too many differences between uh, families, like not too many rich people, like not too many really poor people, like we lived all similar lives. Yeah. Uh, school was um, free, education was free, medical care was free. Um, so I, I thought I liked it. But one thing that 
the country was closed and we never really traveled out of country. But I grew up in um, not in a happy family. Uh, my parents were arguing a lot and they were fighting and I never, f I don't remember much uh, happy memories from my childhood. How, how do you think that affected you as a little girl, just kind of growing up in that environment where your parents were fighting a lot of the time? Well, I, I, I never felt being loved and um, just my parents were always busy working, fighting. My father was drinking a lot and he had some, he was not at home a lot. And um, so I felt really lonely. I felt like nobody cares about me. And um, so, and I cried a lot, even at school, if I got, I was, I became a perf perfectionist. Um, so I try to do the best I can to please my parents, especially my mom. And um, so I was the best at school. I, I had good grades. And even if I got like when, um, B or like C, it was rare, I cried. And um, people, I mean, students had made fun of me because I cried a lot. So yeah, and then uh, one, one night my grandma said that, um, yeah, poor you, your parents don't care about you. And it's kind of still, um, you know, it, it kind of opened my eyes and, and I thought, yeah, sure, you know, I felt lonely. I don't remember like any uh, big birthday parties or parents playing with me or, um, you know, some kind of cr big Christmas celebration or New Year celebration. I don't remember. Like I said, I had just a few happy memories, like family memories, but most of them, them were bad. And um, uh, one of the worst memories was when my father punched my mom. They were arguing, and uh, and I was really small because I know he was holding me, and um, and he tried to make me like try to to say that it's okay, don't cry, and then I saw. Like um, like blood on my mom's face, and it was running down, and it's it was it's still so uh, kind of like it was yesterday. But I know I was really really small. Yeah, man. So I want to unpack some of that stuff there, Natalia. That comment that your grandma made. Poor mm -hmm. you. Your parents don't care about you. Were you close to your grandma? Like was she saying that kind of like in a comforting way like well at least i love you or did you not no. really have that close relationship no with grandma? i don't think she ever liked me either because seems like she she didn't like girls she loved boys like other grandkids um no but she just did what she needed to do and um yeah i don't think she liked me okay and then it sounds like you found maybe some relief going to school, getting out of the home, going to school and trying to do your best. Mm -hmm. I, as you were saying that, I just thought about, man, that seems like a lot of pressure to put on yourself to kind of be that perfectionist to get straight A's. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did did you feel a lot of that pressure? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I was scared of my parents, I, especially my mom, because she was very strict and she could scream, you know, like... Um, and punish me for bad grades. But basically, I always had, like I said, yeah, 
good grades and I was my picture was um in school with like the best the best students so it was full full of those years and even after I was done with school um it was still there <laughs> so I'm very proud of myself yeah in this way I'm thankful to her uh, because she she um uh, made me like um do my best she said, I need to do my best. And so in everything, I do my best. Um, like at school, university, marriage, being a mom, all of these things, and I never give up. So in some ways, you know, I- I'm thankful for this. Yeah, yeah. Trying to uh, take some of the positives out of out of that right. difficult time of your life. How was school for you socially? Did you have friends? Did you feel like a sense of love and affection from maybe friends at school or like the parents of your friends from school? Um, I felt like, like they, um, they needed me because I was very smart. Uh, and then I helped them with some schoolwork. I helped them with, to write essays. So with math and and then, uh, so they needed me. So they respected me. They it wasn't any too much. Like yeah, I said they bullied me a little bit. They they called me a mouse because I was very small. And then they they you know laughed at me when I cried. Uh, but then they respected me because I was very smart. Yeah. What what's that like for you? Kind of looking back at that time of your life, Natalia. It doesn't sound like you had a whole lot of uh, support or encouragement from people. What do you think got you through those difficult times? Mm, something inside me was kind of positive. Um, I, I think it was God, but I didn't know God. It's like I felt all my life that someone big helped me. Like many things were uh, maybe like I could be not even here, but someone helped me to go through this. Even one time when my one of my grandpas died, and I was uh, because of um, by Russian tradition, and you know, like before, I'm not sure right now if, if they have funeral homes, but he was in a house for three days by some Russian tradition, and um, because there was no place to sleep, in, in not enough place to sleep, I needed to sleep in the same room. Uh, where the ca- uh, casket was with him, staying, and uh, and then it was it was horrible because the smell bad, <laughs> and then yeah. I was terrified. But I was thinking in this moment, I was probably seven or eight, don't remember exactly. Uh, and I was thinking, okay, but my life is—I have all my life ahead of me. I was thinking positive moment yeah so it sounds like from a young age like you you kind of had to learn yourself to try to find the positives in things because no one else was really going to do it right for you yes and it's that positivity it's it's trying to look at the bright side that that kept you going did you have any siblings at all natalia yeah my sister uh is eight years younger and um unfortunately she is she didn't get this kind of positive thinking in her and i'm praying for her she is um yeah 8 years younger and she had the same thing she never had like 
love from parents and um, her life is kind of broken. She's always depressed, uh, but she's depressed and she doesn't make those like, okay, I never give up. I need to stand up and go ahead and I have a bright future and I have big goals or dreams. No, she's depressed and um, she doesn't have a job and um, family children, nothing, no friends. Um, so I'm helping them, uh, my mom and my sister, um, you know, financially. So I'm thankful that I can do this and help them uh, to survive because it's really, uh, my mom um, uh, is reti- uh, retired now. And so they they don't have some time money for food. And so, um, yeah, we, you know, thank my husband that he's generous and he, he helped them. So yeah. Thank God. Are your mom and sister still in Russia? Yeah. Basically, I'm here my, by myself. Um, yeah. Family, relatives, classmates, I still connect to them uh, very often. Like classmates, my teachers, we still connect through some, you know, online stuff. And yeah, relatives. Yeah. Yeah. What was your relationship with your sister like when you were growing up? Um, I was uh, like her mom and tried to, you know, help her. And because uh, my mom was busy, she worked a lot. Um, again, don't remember any any interactions like, you know, parents supposed to play with their kids or like to support them or ask, how are you doing? It wasn't like this for me. Like, how are you doing? Or if like uh, sometime I, if I was upset and um, I need to talk like a few times about the same pain in my life, like three times or maybe five times. <laughs> and, she, and, and and when I, it's still the same way. When I talk to her, she said, we talked about it yesterday. Like we're not talking about it anymore. I don't want to hear about it. Mm. And, and I'm a responder. I'm a sensitive person. I need to talk and talk and talk. No, no, I need, I, I couldn't talk. So she just wants to kind of like stuff her emotions and Mm -hmm, and not mm -hmm. think about it, try to avoid them. And and you're very much so, no, let's talk about it. Let's Mm -hmm. process through it. Hopefully we can feel better after doing Mm -hmm. that. So you mentioned your parents didn't have a a super healthy marriage by, by any means. Did they, are they still married? Did they divorce at any point in time? Um, I think they waited until I was done with high school and they finally, separated i think they they got divorced um officially when i was two years old but i didn't know about it because i was really small um but then they got together and they had my sister uh and then they finally separated uh when i finished high school and um i think i was kind of okay about it and um and i we moved to a bigger city who did you move with, your mom or your dad? Uh, uh, with my mom. Yeah, she just, she was very kind of uh, proud of herself and um, de- independent lady. She liked to work. She was a bookkeeper, an editor, a very smart. She's very smart. And I think the thing that my father always felt like she's too smart, she's too independent, so they, like, she didn't need him. Um, so, yeah. Sometime, you know, I think some men, they like a real woman, maybe weak, you know, maybe 
uh, dependent. <laughs> yeah. It, it's who I am. I'm dependent, you know, on my husband, and I love it. Yeah. He's my, like, uh, provider, <laughs> and he's taking care of me and our children. So what was that like going to a different city? Was it nice to kind of like leave some of your past behind or was it a difficult transition at all for you, Natalia? Um, I think, like I said, it was fine. And, um, but I think deep inside, it was very hard um, to go through this. And again, nobody is talking about it. It's just like you, it's some of it deep inside you and you keep it in in. Uh, because I I enrolled in um, in the state university to become a geography teacher, and I was very good. And at this point, I almost failed my tests, like to enroll. Like enrollment exam. Y- yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I actually got one C or something. It was horrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not used to getting Cs. Yes. Right? Yes. But so basically, I was probably processing it and it was hard on me yeah so you went to school to become a geography teacher what made you decide to uh, do that um well i i loved my geography teacher and um and i said i i i just wanted to be like her <laughs> and then, but um after i was <clears throat> i was um almost done with my degree and um i yeah, I, I got my master's degree, but during the practical, I I wasn't good. No, I I just the the uh, students just did not listen <laughs> to me because I think I'm too sensitive, too soft. I can speak kind of like the way they would listen to me. So, so then basically, I never worked as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then what did you end up doing then? What where, where did um, life kind of take you? Well, at this time, actually, it was when I finished my the university and I got my master's degree, it was um, the Soviet Union fell apart. And it was, everything changed. Like when it was the Soviet Union, and then like they would give me apartment, they would give me an apartment, and then they would give me a place to work so they would decide like if I need to go to this school and they would give me a job when the the, the Viet Union fell apart everybody didn't people didn't know what to do and then then I said oh my mom and I'm thankful to her she helped me to get a job in a bank and I went to a banking school and I worked in a bank as a cashier. And um, yeah, and I liked it. So it looks like, you know, once you made that move and and even with the Soviet Union falling, you were able to kind of just bounce back. Mom helped you. You were working at a bank and and life was going pretty good. What I'm I'm wondering though, like what other kind of stressors were you dealing with? Was there anything negative happening at that time for you? Yeah. After we moved, I think, I'm not sure if it was before when I worked in a bank. Um, and I want to say that I was a really good, nice girl. Um, you know, well, everything I was thinking about, studying and getting my education and getting a good job. Uh, but one night, 
um, I met a, uh, a man, and at first he was seems like being nice. He was, um, you know, trying to help me to carry some bags um, from shop. I, I had I went shopping and I had like heavy bags and stuff. Um, so he he tried to help me, and then um, uh, <clears throat> and then he said, if you know, if he we can go, just to have a date or something, and just go for a walk. And I and I agreed, and then uh, somehow he tricked me in his apartment. I think he just said that he forgot some matches or something. So and then when I um, when I was inside. He didn't allow me go um, out of this his apartment, and then, yeah, he hid my clothes and everything. And then um, yeah, I was he raped me, and uh, I couldn't go home for a few days. And um, so my parents um, tried to find me, and um, my mom she got gray for those few days and um so my father actually worked as a policeman as a police officer and um so he was involved in this uh to try to find me and then i think he said they used dogs or the dog <laughs> to find me so the, yeah and and then finally after 2 3 days i'm not sure right now um he took my expensive watch, um, this guy, and um, he said that, you know, I can go home. But he said not to tell anybody what was happening because he will uh, burn my apartment or do something to my family. Oh, man. So, of course, I was scared. And um, so when my father, um, then he took me to a police office, and then I remember there was a huge table and um, a lot of policemen around, sitting around the table, and they asked me questions. And I said, no, nothing was, it was, um, nothing bad was happening. And my father was upset with me because he knew that it was, I was, you know, lying. And, um, but I was scared. I was, I worried about my family. And I wanted them to be safe. <clears throat> and then so I didn't say anything and and then after that uh, next day you know we after that we never talked about it anymore like was nothing happening and most of in Russia um, most of women just they keep it to themselves uh, people don't talk about it man I am so sorry that you had to go through that experience Natalia I can't even begin to imagine what what you were experiencing or what you were feeling during that time, just, you know, the violation and the degradation and, and even the, the fear that he instilled into you, right? Like, mm -hmm. Hey, if you tell anyone, I'm burning your, your place to the ground and man, you, you had to stuff your feelings, which at this point, I mean, it sounds like that was kind of a familiar thing for you to do, right? When it, you know, when it came to emotions and expression of feelings that you didn't really grow up in an environment where you did that. Yeah, you just stuffed it. And like you said mm -hmm, earlier, mm -hmm. you, you tried to look at the bright side of things. And I mean, was there even a bright side to the situation for you to look to look to? Or like, how did you kind of move on after going through that experience? 
Well, um, yeah, I I guess I couldn't handle it very good. Um, I guess I uh, was uh, struggling with this pain and um, <clears throat> disappointment and uh, fears. And I started to drink and smoke. And then this kind of helped me, I guess, temporarily, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of like uh, numbed the yes. pain or helped you forget about it for a little bit. Right. And with this drinking and smoking and then... I got wrong friends, and then, uh, of course, there was more uh, um, physical abuse because uh, when you drink, you you don't control you don't control yourself, you don't control the situation, and um, and men use it used it, and then so yeah, I think I was raped f- more times, and like one time, like was I really it was. Scary because uh, the guy, a guy, took me to a cemetery. 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 Yep. And then, um, <laughs> probably because you know <laughs> it was quiet place and no people around. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's crazy. But <clears throat> then, then I was like feeling that I want to be, I want to use man, you know, for money for some fun. So then it kind of helped me to get stronger that, you know, you're not in control of me. I, I can be in control of you, yep. I think. And so even I was, um, my friends uh, asked if I want to have uh, participate in sex for money. And I said, oh, sure. And at this time, it was very the hard 90s in Russia. Uh, was was very bad economy. People had um, no money and um, no food. You know, it was kind of poor time, and so I needed money in any way. So I I did that. I don't think I felt very good about it, and so I didn't do it too much. Yeah, I, I want to go back a little bit, Natalia. You talked about how you know you, you kind of got into that line of work and, and into that lifestyle because it helped you feel that power. And mm-hmm. I mean, as, as you guys are listening, so many times throughout your life, it's like people were, were having that power over you or were controlling you. And it sounds like you got to that point where I've had enough. I'm mm-hmm. going to be the one controlling people from now on. I'm going to be the one in control of my life from now on. I'm not going to let people walk over me. Mm-hmm. And you know, for you, it, it also sounds like there was that sense of like wanting to find love or wanting some yeah. type of connection and affection. And so from like just an outsider's perspective, it, it's easy to see how that's kind of a recipe for you to to get into, you know, uh, prostitution or just into that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the same time, yeah, it was like two parts of me, you know, I, I wanted to find a perfect love and good man who would take care of me and love me. And um, and another thing that I wanted to, you know, con- control them and like, you know, I want money from you, I want to use you. And um, so and I want to kind of do some revenge for the pain I had, you yeah. know, and I've heard that it can be really difficult for, you know, prostitutes or anyone in, in you know, a, a position where you're, you're having sex for money to leave that line of work, whether it's because, 
you know, of, of the pimp over you or just because of the, the like bondage that you experienced during that time and just the desperation, right, of money and everything. So you said it didn't last too long for you. How did you escape that line of I work? I think I kind of was, you know, I was really easy to fall in love. And I think with those men, um, even if I, I tried to use them, right? But then I, 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 for some reason, I was falling in love. And this, then I didn't get anything back. So I just needed to stop it. And then I was almost 25. And I was thinking, started to think about my future life that, and, and I was, um, I had some men that were much older than me, like maybe even 20 years older, because I think because I had no father in my life, I tried to find um, a man that he would be really be like my father. Yeah, someone that would like protect you and provide yeah. for you. Yes, yeah. But they were, <laughs> I was mistress, so they couldn't, they couldn't leave their wives and um, they couldn't marry me. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I needed to just sit down and said, okay, I'm 25. All my friends got married and, um, and then uh, I need to think about my future. Yeah, man. I, I just think about the multiple times that you had your heart broken, right? Like you said, even when you were doing sex for money, like there was a part of you that wanted to fall in love with, mm -hmm. with the man and, and to just, okay, I finally found the one, but it never was. And then you find some older men that, you know, you think could protect you and, mm -hmm. and provide for you. But then, like you said, you're their mistress. They can't leave their wives. So that's mm -hmm. not going to work out. You're seeing your friends around you get married. Mm -hmm. I just, man, I, I'm just feeling kind of that brokenness and that loneliness at that time of your life. Right, because you know, deep inside, I I still was kind of bright and good girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I wanted family someday, children, and uh, well, I I want to say that uh, during when I had my immoral um, immoral life, um, I had um, I was I got pregnant. <laughs> the thing about it, it's just so you know, embarrassing or something. I didn't know who was the father, like from all of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of think about, I know, but it was not just one. So, and of course, um, I was very scared to tell my mom. And um, so I, it was no, no other thought just to have an abortion. And by the time I found out stuff, it was really late. I think it was like, nine weeks and so I, it was late abortion yeah the thing that um, the other ladies uh, in the clinic said that I was crying so hard all the way through you know I, I was sleeping but you know it was a surgery but I was crying loud it was a mistake but it's why we have, um, you know, mercy from God. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, another thing that I can't even imagine what that was like for you. It, it sounded like you didn't really see any other option but to do that at the time. But there was still this sense of like, 
maybe kind of questioning like, what am I doing? This mm-hmm. this doesn't feel like right in my spirit. Right. And I was scared of my mom. So I just lied to her that, you know, I can I stay like with my friend overnight because it was, you know, I needed to be in a hospital for like a day or so. Um, cause it was late abortion. And, um, so my mom didn't know. And I think I told her already, like, basically after I had my first son, <laughs> Very, like may after many, many, as uh, many, many years later. Yeah. And what was your mom's response when you told oh, her? She said, I don't care. She, um, in Russia, basically it was abortions, um, feel like. It's like birth control. My mom, I think she had a lot. Uh, so for her, she's like, oh, okay, it's fine. Just kind of a normal thing for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how old were you when that happened, Natalia? Did you say you were 25? Uh, well, at 25, it's when I was thinking about my future. I think I was maybe 20 when I had abortion. and uh, But at 25, I was thinking that I need to stop all of this and I need to think about my future, find a a good husband for me. And um, so, and then some of my friends moved to uh, different countries and and I said, it's kind of nice. So in Russia, the economy is not stable. So like it can be a few years really bad and then it can be better. So when it got better, and I worked in a bank, and I made some money, so I started to travel out of country. And this was amazing, because when it, when it was the Soviet Union, we never traveled. We didn't know how life can be outside of, out of those borders, you know, we had. Yeah. And the first time I went to Cyprus. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I was, it was amazing. I mean, Russia compared to this was kind of like dirty, maybe like not messy, dirty, kind of poor, you know, no technology because we kind of were 70 years behind of all other countries. Yep. And here I, I went to first country I went, it was Cyprus and I went to the restroom. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so clean. <laughs> and, and then I didn't know how to use water because it's everything was automatic. And I'm like, I don't know how to use it. I felt so kind of stupid or something. Yeah, where's the handles? <laughs> yeah, wait. And then it smelled so good. How can it be smell so good in the bathroom? You know, and beautiful. And then I started to travel more. And, and even I went to Israel. Even I didn't believe I went to Jerusalem, the Holy Land. It was very interesting. Unfortunately, I didn't know English, and some it was some Russian people around, so they helped me to follow the tour um, in Jerusalem. So I was in this holy place where uh, Jesus was crucified, and I remember they told me, put your hand on the Golgotha, no, the kind of the place I had the whole, uh, like a place where cross was, yep. you know, standing, uh, where Jesus was crucified, and they said, uh, you put your hand, and God will forgive your sins, and I'm like, okay, everybody's doing it, I'm doing it too, and I did that, but I didn't believe, 
So it was less kind of just something, you know, everybody did. Someday I, I hope I, I can go again because now it's it's it would be really amazing. Yeah, now you see really the significance of everything right. that at that time it was you just didn't. yeah, it was just uh, my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where else did you end up traveling to? No, most of in Europe, uh, like different countries. The thing that I Germany, I many my um, many of my classmates uh, after the Soviet Union fall apart, they moved to Germany because they were Russian Germans or German Russians, <laughs> and then so I was thinking about Germany and I studied uh, German language, uh, um, so I kind of could speak a little bit. Um, it didn't work out, and so I mean I couldn't find the right man. So then I asked. Um, uh, we had some travel agency, agency a company that helped Russian women to find uh, husbands from other countries, and so they helped me to set up my profile and stuff. And and then um, yeah, and, and I didn't know English, so they helped me to translate letters. And one time I was working, the bank, fine, um, when it was again bad economy, <laughs> it's like, it's always ups and downs. It's yep. never, I didn't remember any stability and financial stability. And then I said, gosh, I, I don't like here. I, I just want to go out. I want to go and live in a different country. For my future children, I want better life. And I want a better life for myself. And then, um, so... And this time I worked as a secretary in one um, accounting office, and and then I I, I got the letter uh, and from my future husband. The company was kind of like send it send was re email emailed it to me, and then when I saw it, I was reading it, and I said, "Oh, this is my future husband." It's like I felt it in my heart. And then he starts to call me, and I'm like, everything I knew, just yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, no, I need to learn English. <laughs> so then I got some book, How to Learn English or something. Um, yeah, I started to read it, and he, he called me, and we, we talked, uh, you know, a little bit more. And um, we wrote some, we wrote very romantic letters to each other. And, and, and after three months, I invited him. <clears throat> to Russia, to my hometown, town Tomsk, in Siberia, and he came. It was very romantic, very beautiful, and we fell in love right away. And uh, we got, it. we were engaged after ten days. Wow, so that happened pretty <laughs> quick then. Yeah. <laughs> what What was it about him that you could just kind of tell within you that this is the man for me? This is the man that I want to love and I want to spend the rest of my life with. Well, he was very sensitive. He, he, I could feel like he will take care of me. He will protect me, provide for me. And um, just his letters were very nice. What was it like, like seeing him in person for the first time and, and actually being able to talk to him face to face and to touch him after, you know, three months of pretty much just communicating via Emails or letters or, mm -hmm. or uh, phone, phone calls. Yeah. It was amazing. I remember it was like, it was um, uh, March 
was kind of snowy day and um was very beautiful we kind of like when we met each other we like fall in love right away yeah very beautiful like right out of a movie right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> did he meet any of your family while he came to visit or what, what did yeah. you guys all do while while he came there to visit yeah and my mom of course loved him right away and she was not against me moving to a different country because she wanted for me a better life too. She had hard life. And like I, uh, like I said, uh, not too many happy moments for her memories. And um, she wanted me to be happy. Yeah. So then you guys got engaged 10 days after mm. meeting each other in person. And so then what happened? Do you guys well, get married? He and- needed, no, he needed to go back, you know, to... America, and then um, we just decided that uh, we will need to start my paperwork to, <clears throat> like, finance visa. Um, so, yeah, it took us a long time, like almost a year. And it was very hard, emotional, because, you know, we want to be together, but there's uh, so many miles apart. Um, so he you know, we wrote each other every day. He called me and we, we we talked a lot. It was good. So you spent that next year apart from each mm-hmm. other after getting yes. engaged. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, you said it took that long for your uh, fiancé visa to mm-hmm. kind of get processed. And mm-hmm. so then what, what did it look like once your visa finally was processed and you were good to go to come to America? It was exciting. But somehow I was <laughs> feeling numb. I don't know. Like I, I was not happy, but happy. I don't know how to explain. Um, I think when you reach something, sometimes you feel empty. I don't know how to explain. You know, you have your goals. And um, maybe I was just nervous and I had anxiety, I'm thinking. Because I people talk about anxiety here a lot. Never talked about anxiety, depression, and Russia. So basically, I didn't know how I felt. I know I felt confused. Probably I was nervous just to leave everything, you know, and just go somewhere. I don't know where. And I basically didn't know my husband. I mean, my, you know, this guy too much. (laughs) Probably everything was mixed in my emotions, you know, mixed in. But of course, I was just, I was happy just to go. Yeah, it it sounds like, Natalia, what you're saying is that you had this goal of, I want to meet this man I, and I want to get married and spend the rest of my life with him. And then you met that goal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it sounds like there's a part of you that was just like, okay, well, now what then? What's next then after that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also wondering, was there a sense of you that was kind of battling with any lie of the enemy that said that? Natalia, you don't deserve this. Your whole life, you've never really been treated well by men. You've been used. You've been taken advantage of. You've been just treated horribly by men. You don't deserve this guy. You you shouldn't be with him. This isn't for you. Like, was there just any like mm, battle with I, that at all? Um, I don't think so. I kind of was thinking, no, you know, it was in my heart that it's him. And so I was, it just was very hard 
to go through this. Um, we, I needed to go to Moscow to an American embassy and to have some an interview. Then I needed to do some tests, um, like they checked everything, you know, health and stuff. So it's just very hard process of this uh, going through this. Very stressful. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I was very brave. Uh, I think I would, you know, it's not easy. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's quite the process. And I'm glad that you didn't struggle with any of those thoughts of mm-hmm. not feeling like you were worthy or deserving of love, because clearly you are, right? I mean, we all are just made in in God's image. We all deserve to to feel that love and acceptance. And so, again, your your visa is finally processed. You fly over to America. Where do you fly into? Do you come um, to Minnesota right away, or um, what? No, we met, uh, he met me in New York because it was like Moscow, New York, a flight. And then, because I didn't know, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't speak English like well. I knew a little bit. We used the dictionary. And of course, we had no smartphones before. It was like almost 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a book, dictionary, little, you know, we had, I had a big dictionary, I had small dictionary, all kinds of sizes. And so he met me in New York, and we spent some time um, there, a few days. It was very interesting. There's the um, Liberty statue, so I remember. <laughs> it was really interesting. Uh, also, we visited the place um, where it was um, 9-11. Oh, yeah, the Twin Towers. Uh, yes. It, it was actually, I, it, I moved in 2003. And I think it was happening in 2001. Yep. Just the so that tragedy. would have been two years after 9-11. Yeah. And we went to, and we looked at this place. It was kind of still bad, you know. Was, yeah, ground zero. Yeah. So then we um, flew to Minnesota, and um, he lived in Wade Park, in an apartment. And, um, <clears throat> and I said, oh, it's so beautiful apartment. You know, it's the, the floor has carpet. Everything is so beautiful. I was very excited. It was like, gosh. You know, finally, my dream came true, and I will be happy. It's what I thought, and um, and I felt happy. It was like, you know, big excitement. Yeah. Um, but uh, with this, and then uh, we needed to get married very quick. I had three months. If I would not get married during these three, mo- uh, three months, then I, I would need to go back to Russia. I was very nervous. I tried to be really nice. <laughs> so finally, my husband, he decided, I mean, he said, okay, we need, you know, we will get married. Uh, he asked me if I want to be his wife, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> and so we, we flew to Las Vegas because it was faster, easier to get married in Las Vegas. And uh, was very beautiful. Unfortunately, he, nobody could come. <laughs> it just it was just me, him, and me, and I. I and and um, but I was very excited because, like, all my Russian friends were jealous. Oh, you know, they said just like fa- uh, like um, stars or so fancy people. They go like Russian people. They can go and marry in Las Vegas. And I had a um, beautiful dress and, you know, the ring, the diamond ring. It's what I was dreaming about. And then limousine, limo. Oh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> and then so 
I was very happy, very happy. And after got, we got married, some, something, you know, when you feel like, wow, you didn't come true, you didn't come true, and you are so happy. But, and then we went to uh, some fancy restaurant. We got, you know, some supper, and then we got, we got something to drink, alcohol. Um, I was trying, <laughs> I forgot to say how much I was drinking, when in Russia, um, you know, Russian people, they, they drink vodka like water. And I was drinking a lot. And it, was that surprising to your husband? Like he didn't know that side of you? Oh, um, no, we both drink. Did drink. <laughs> we both like drinking. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and of course, after that, like something changed me this evening after you know after all of these happy moments i started to feel jealous and i right now i know the enemy started to work on separation already of our you know family because he didn't want us to be together i think uh, just started to feel jealous as we, we got an argument and basically it was you know not so good day after I mean night <laughs> some arguments and and but then you know it was okay the honeymoon was okay in Las Vegas and then you know we came home and um, yeah we started to live together and we realized how different we are because the the cultural difference it seems like we were opposite like if I do this in one way, he said, no, we have to do this way. Um, and then after a month, I started to feel like culture shock. Uh, it, it, like, traveling to a different country uh, is different than moving to a different country. It's like um, this. Um, I was not realizing it, that traveling is always fun, right? You, have, you go on vacation, you are happy, new place and stuff like that. Moving, I said, it will be the same, but it's not. Um, you, you after a while you start to feel lonely. I didn't speak English. I didn't know how to drive a car. Someone called me. I didn't. I couldn't figure out what they were saying. Or I tried to talk on the phone. They didn't understand me. And so you have no friends. You don't. You can't go out of a house. I mean, a, a house because you don't know how to drive. So start to feel depressed and. Um, yeah, and my husband, he needed to go to work, and he worked a lot. He needed to provide, so I was staying home alone. Um, was very lonely. I had no nobody to talk to, yeah. and no smartphones. You know, I could connect to my Russian uh, friends a lot, or something. You had just your you know regular phone, and you couldn't talk for hours for free, yeah. <laughs> like you could do now. Now it's much easier, right? Yeah, so like you said, just that culture shock. What was some of the biggest differences between, you know, growing up in Russia and then now living in America, living in Minnesota? Um, the weather is the same, kind of similar. <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't believe it can be snow in America. I always thought it's like warm and hot, you know, I didn't realize. Oh, even I, I was, even I studied <laughs> geography for some reason, I didn't realize it could be so cold. You know, here, it's not like Alaska or something where I thought it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I think the way we grew up, his parents had always good marriage, his mama, 
parents never were fighting, arguing. They were always quiet, uh, like talking quiet. And my family is opposite. They are loud, they are screaming, they are fighting, they were fighting, you know. And basically, Russian people, they are very loud, emotional. They don't hide their emotions. They are open. You know, they can tell you if, you know, I don't like your dress or something, they tell you to your face. <laughs> Here, if you tell, it's very offensive, right? Uh, and, and then you don't argue, you don't uh, argue in front of people. Like I was trying to argue with my, hu- to my, with my husband in front of his friends, and was, he was like in shock because we don't do it here. We go home and talk about it or maybe don't even talk about it because I know some people don't argue and they got divorced for, for, for I don't know why, you know. <laughs> they don't even talk. They don't argue. Yeah, this was the difference. And um, they, he didn't want to me to talk out loud or scream. And I couldn't change myself right away. It took me many years to become like like you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> keep, you know, my emotions little bit don't say my opinion what i think because it might be offensive and um and just try to be try to smile more because yeah russian people don't smile they they don't smile unless they are really happy so you kind of you go to russia you see people just you know just kind of unhappy (laughs) it's normal thing and they always talk about problems they always talk about problems so a ton of differences that you're mm-hmm. having to adjust to, that your husband's trying to adjust to. It sounds like that honeymoon period, that wore off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And now there, there's some conflict in the marriage here. You had told me earlier that at one point in time that you were like following the horoscopes. Oh, yes. And you were just very confused of like, well, why isn't this working? According to our horoscopes, we're supposed to be like perfect matches. And then you even went to a fortune teller. Oh, right. Yeah, the horoscope was something I believed. And most of Russian people do because they don't believe in God. You have to believe in something because it's somehow, you know, people want to believe, right? The thing that was so funny, I, I even believed in Feng Shui, it's some Chinese stuff that how you put, you know, flower in your room or the furniture in your room. And when we mo- I moved... I start to, we start to live together with my husband. I said, okay, this mirror is not in the right place. He said, it's glued to the wall. I said, you have to remove it. So we broke the mirror because he tried to pull it out. It was glued to the wall. He said, now what? We broke the mirror. It's another bad luck. It's like, you know, if you broke a mirror, something yep. like bad luck for three years or something. I, It was like so stressful, so stressful. And yeah, the marriage was start to fall apart. And for my husband, uh, he wanted kind of like get divorced because um, he he didn't realize that I'm not like his mom, maybe. And for me, I said, no, I if I got married once, I want to stay married forever. Um, I was stronger in this point because I saw much worse with my parents. And then I said, gosh, no, it's not so bad. It could be worse, you know what I mean? To be to the point to get divorced. And so I was stronger than my husband, I think. I said, no, we're not getting divorced. We will be fine. I know we will be together. So then when we, after two years, we visited 
<clears throat> my parents, we went to Russia, and yes, uh, my mom said, oh, and my sister too, we know some uh, fortune teller that she can help. So we went to her, and um, uh, she was looking through some crystal ball, <laughs> and when she saw the future, and I believe she could because Satan can use those people, you know, to in this way and she was so upset and i'm like oh my gosh she was like bumping the table and like i don't want to be you guys i don't want you guys to be together i want you to separate you i want you to divorce i'm like i came here for help <laughs> i i'm already we already fallen apart can you help me and she's like she was so mad and she said, you have to give me money so I can remove black power from you because she said someone, I, I'm cursed. She said that I was cursed because one of my relatives and was um, ending, ended his life by suicide. And then and, um, I, I needed to remove something, uh, this kind of spirit or something. And I, I was... I'm like, okay, what a crazy lady. I just want to go out. And we left. And then we went to another. My mom said, okay, I have another guy. I mean, this was really witch. You know, she was real witch. And um, I think she was upset. She saw our future that we actually will glorify God and we will be a great family. Yeah. You know, and we, God will use us for so many miracles. So she was so mad because she was, you know, evil. She was evil person, yeah. an evil person. And so we went, we went to a different fortune teller, a little bit better. He just gave me some kind of instruction how to do some... Um, like ritual? Rituals, yeah. I know I did something with my hands, like protecting myself, some kind of rituals uh, with my hands. It's what I remember. We did it for a while. <laughs> the thing that nothing was happening, for, I mean, nothing was changing. The thing got worse. I was more drinking and we were fighting and stuff like And then I got depressed and then I started to feel more jealous. Like I, I, I hated women. I was jealous because I felt ugly. I guess when you have depression, you you see everything through some different glasses or something. Yep. I, you know, felt myself so ugly. So I did. I thought, and the the um, the voice was in my head. You never will be happy. And this was me. It made me so you know depressed. Like yeah, I, there's no point to live. You know, I tried just to smoke a lot and and then didn't care the person when depressed you know i didn't care my health or then i might maybe you know about future that i need to stay healthy or something no you, you just so concentrated on this moment and you use anything you know alcohol or, or, or cigarettes to to help you this moment to feel better to go through this and there is again it was not too many friends or people who I can talk to because we didn't even go to church. We didn't believe in God. There was no church family to help. So it was lonely. Yeah. So how did your husband grow up when it, when it comes to faith? What was his background with that? <clears throat> he grew up Lutheran and um, he's, he went to some kind of, um, you know, Lutheran traditional classes or whatever, like confirmation or something. Yep. So he, he went to church, 
but he was not there. His body was there, but his mind was not there. Yeah. So when he started to live by himself and, you know, he had no relationships with God, personal relationship, or he he didn't believe he he was drinking and doing stuff, wrong stuff too. Sure. <laughs> so. so here you are, married, not happy, you know, dealing with depression, you're feeling alone. How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Yeah, at one point, um, I was really feeling depressed that, you know, um, I want to disappear from my life. I don't think I was strong enough to end to end my life, you know, but it was just very, very hard. And then, um, so I just uh, picked up my phone and I called some friends I knew a little bit, and uh, they say to come. It's in some cloud. They they say to come right away, and then um, they shared it about their faith and they shared about Jesus that Jesus can help me and he can, you know, help. Uh, he can help our marriage. He can change everything um, in my life. He can just make make me happy again, give me hope. So and then I said, oh, no, 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 this is not for me. But they were uh, older than me, and I was just, uh, I was listening because I respected them. And, but then I said, no, it's not for me. <laughs> it sounds nice out there. It's just crazy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and then I came home, and I got drunk, and and then um, it was bad fight with, uh, with my husband, and it was so bad that, I decided next day, okay, I, Jesus is my last last chance to to get well. So in, in 2006, I think, um, I talked to God. Directly I um, confessed my sins and I just invited Jesus into my life. And um, yeah, and I just started to read the Bible. Uh, but my husband was still... Uh, um, you know, no, he didn't read the Bible. He didn't want to pray. He he was doing what he was doing. And uh, but my friends said, you know what? You take care of yourself, and just um, you know, just change. You need to ask God to change you, and try not to change my husband. I mean, your husband. And because I was trying to change him myself. Yeah. And it didn't work well. And then to the uh, one. One, uh, we went to a different church, and they started to go to a church. In the church I went for in St. Cloud, for some reason, I didn't like. I didn't feel like people were worshiping because, see, I was maybe not, you know, I didn't believe, maybe conflicting in my heart. I didn't feel comfortable. It. I don't know. <laughs> you know, people were worshiping, praying, and they were happy, and I, did, I cried. I want to go out, and then we tried another church, and then they some friends say that we should go try counseling um, across the River of Life Church, and then and my husband said if I think he kind of like if you don't go we will get divorced maybe something like that, and I'm like okay I have to go, <laughs> and then so we went to Pastor Andy's counseling. It was not easy because he wanted me to go back to my past and and it was painful and I'm like I don't want to go back it's so painful but then he invited Jesus into this painful situation and tried to heal 
me because a lot of our arguments because of my past affected my you know marriage all of the pain you know all of these uh, tragedies and because I was not happy I couldn't make my husband happy and um, yeah and and then uh, his my husband said that um, okay we'll go to this counseling place but we never go to this church river of life because I know there's there there's some crazy people go to that they speak in tongues or something I'm like okay okay you know we don't have to go to the church let's just try this stuff I mean counseling and and yeah it was very hard counseling is not <laughs> it's not like next day you feel better you actually feel worse first because you have to go back and like to your garbage and go dig through it, you know, all of this, this situation exists. And then a lot of tears, a lot of pain. And, and then, uh, yeah, but then one time I got offended with other church <laughs> where we went to. And and then we s- decided to try to go one time to River of Life Church. And then uh, like, and we went and I remember after the service, Pastor Danny was running after, you know, on the parking uh, lot, and he was running towards us. And then I'm like, oh, how nice. I guess he actually, you know, recognized that we were new. And, like, you know, he was so nice. He said, come back. And I'm like, I'm not sure about it. <laughs> but then we did. We did come back, and, you know, we never left the church I mean, we needed to move um, for a few years to North Dakota, but then we came back. And, wow. Uh, we love this church so much. Um, and, and then uh, they, the counseling helped our marriage. Uh, it was getting better. And after two years, my husband turned to God because he saw changes in me because I understood, okay, you think about yourself, try, to, try not to change him, God will change him. Mm-hmm. And it's what happened. Uh, yeah, so he turned to God, and we started to read the Bible together. It was not easy. Honestly, we were fighting even about reading the Bible. I don't know, it's just embarrassing, but we did throw away some Bibles, because we were angry. Mm-hmm. I think God understands this. Um, he forgives us. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely forgives you for, for the anger, even if you guys were reading the Bible yeah. at the time or throwing the Bible. What a, man, what an amazing just testimony in and of itself right there of, of what you just talked about the last couple of minutes. I, I want to back up a little bit. Oh. When you did surrender your life over to God and when you went through the counseling process, and it sounds like you did kind of a mixture of both like marriage counseling and individual counseling. Mm-hmm. And here you are going through your past and feeling feelings maybe for the first time, right? Because you've tried to just avoid them and and stuff them throughout your life. And you mentioned that uh, Pastor Andy had invited Jesus to be a part of that counseling process. And obviously, like you said, it's it's difficult to go through that. But after going through that and kind of coming on on the other side, how did you feel? Did you feel just kind of like purified, cleansed that yeah. your past isn't kind of haunting you anymore? Or what what was that like for you? Yeah, it was, you know, a big long process. But then I could feel like I don't feel this pain anymore that uh, God removed all of those <clears throat> 
demons. I think I had a lot of them. <laughs> he cleared me, you know, from um, this oppression. Um, and he helped me to feel beautiful again. You know, like he removed all of these uh, glasses, dark glasses from me. And I could see, oh, you know, I have a hope. I have a future. I I am beautiful for whatever God made me. You know, maybe I didn't like something in me, but I said, you know what? He had a reason to make me this way. He had a reason to make me so small and tiny and weak and, you know, and depending on, on you know, dependent. And and I start to, yeah, feel loved. And I start to feel, um, and I found uh, that he is my father that I never had in my life. Oh, amen. That, that, sorry. No, you're fine. <clears throat> I think I, it was so easy finally to, to feel that he's my father, that um, he will take care of me, and he has a plan for me. He has huge love for me. Um, the thing, too, that I always, and then it clicked in my in me that actually I always felt someone helped me. There was many situations that I could be dead by now. You know, I couldn't be even here. I, I could die in Russia. There was all of this because of um, drinking and, you know, all this guys that I didn't know. They were not good people. And someone just took me out of this, uh, you know, hard situation that I could not be alive and and then it was God and it was just I was so happy I know what was happening to me I always felt someone is taking care of me you know it's so awesome yeah man amen I'm getting like goosebumps just listening to you talk there Natalia it's it's incredible and it one thing that stands out to me is that you talk throughout our time together that your whole life you were looking for a man to love you, protect mm -hmm. you, provide for you, and do all these things for you. But really, it sounds like you were looking for Jesus because he is all those things, right? Right. And then once you did find him and those things in him, it's like you could finally have that peace and that mm -hmm. happiness and that right. joy. And man, joy. That's, that's just like our God to do that. Right. Yes. And then I could, you know, have a hope that I, I actually can be happy. Those lies, I shouldn't listen, yeah. you know, and I don't, I, I shouldn't listen that, you know, how ugly I am or how, you know, how happy I will be all my life. There's no point to live. No, no more lies. I have a hope, you know, I'm beautiful. I mean, the way, <laughs> you know, inside, outside, the way God made me, it's perfect. Yeah. Amen. And and you're cleansed. Yes. Right. You said those demons from mm -hmm. your past, they're gone. They're gone. And like how ma however many years removed from that now, Natalia, do you still feel like you're walking in that freedom yes. and and just that kind of purity that, mm -hmm. man, I am a new creation here and my past does not have to define me or follow me. Sure. Yeah, I feel free. Like, you know, I forgive. Um uh all of them, you know, the people who hurt me, I forgive them. Uh, of course, my father I, I, and my mom, um, I love them. I, I call them all, all the time, connect with them. Um, and then um, this is kind of love that God gives you, you know, for, f to just 
to clear you from pain and just give you this joy and love for people who did hurt you. And then um, the thing that about judgment that I always um, felt like God will or someone will judge people who did hurt me. Um, but I didn't know. Um, I could feel and I could see in my past before I even turned to God that someone took care of those people who were hurt. Like even this guy who raped me. And I didn't do anything to him. I, like I said, I didn't say anything. He, he was not in jail or anything, you know. I just said, okay, I will let it go. And, you know, and God did judge him because after a while I found out that uh, he raped a, another girl and she killed him um, during this, you know, fighting or something uh, with a hammer or something. I mean, it was <laughs> horrible. Had God, I mean, it's sad that he died, but I felt like, okay, it was judgment from God, you know. Yeah. And there is so many other things that God took care of all the people that did hurt me. I don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. Man, and, and that's, that's real love, right? Being able to forgive the people that hurt you the most. And, and when, when we're talking about forgiveness, you know, for those of you that are listening to this, it, it's not forgiveness in the sense that you're excusing what they did, you're justifying what they did, like it's okay they right, did what you, they did. You can't forget it. It's not like never happened. You right. still remember everything. But it's, you know. Yeah, it, it's more so you're giving up the right to hold that against that person and you're going to let the Lord deal with it. Right. And, and, and with that comes freedom. With that comes just a sense of peace of knowing that, like you talked about, like you don't got to carry that stuff with you around mm-hmm, anymore, that baggage, mm-hmm. that sin, those demons. Like you can be set free from all of that and it, it starts with forgiveness. Right. And then all of this, you know, um, the thing that was guys did with to my body, you know, I still feel clean um, because Amen. God cleaned me, and I don't feel uh, this kind of like yucky feelings, you know. Yep. <laughs> and uh, feel that God will use even all of this bad stuff that happened to me. He will use it for good, for His glory, to help people not to give up, you know. <sighs> Man, I, I love it. I love it, Natalia. I love hearing your story. And with giving your life to God, there, there comes that developmental process, right? The process of sanctification. We're trying to become more and more like Him. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to learn and grow and mature. And, and it's pretty cool. You mentioned how your husband didn't want to attend you know, this church because, oh, they speak in tongues and that's yeah. crazy. And I mean, talk to us about your husband and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit he has now. Yeah. And then like, um, it was so cool that uh, God, after we started to come to the prayer service, <clears throat> the first time we, we, when we got, our marriage got better, we finally thought, it's good time to have a baby and start a family. So we tried for a while and then, um, well, unfortunately found out I I really can't get pregnant very easily or care a baby because this abortion that I had many years ago, it was done very harsh. In some point after I had an abortion and I had immoral life, I never got pregnant, but I never thought about this. Why? You know, because really... Um, they didn't talk much like right now about protections and everything. 
And when you drink, you don't care about anything too. <laughs> yep. I mean, you don't think about those things. Um, and But now, then, they, um, yeah, the abortion was done harsh. So I basically uh, had uh, no chance to get pregnant. Or if I got pregnant, I I would miscarry. It would um very hard to care baby full term. We came to Pastor Danny. Uh, um, because I was so depressed because it's time went on and off and and then um, I couldn't get pregnant and and then uh, we went to Pastor Danny and he said come on Sunday night to a prayer service and we will pray for you I'm like okay we will do it <laughs> and then we came and and then um, they prayed, and they prayed in tongues. And, of course, I didn't know anything about it much. And then it was amazing. It was so powerful that I was like, oh, I want that too. I, I want this experience. And then, um, yeah, they prayed. And then one woman said, I had a, you know, I God gave me this verse. Luke, Luke 145. It says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then I thought, okay, you know, I, as a new believer, um, I didn't think too much about it. I thought, okay. And um, then one Sunday, not prayer, not Sunday night prayer service, um, Pastor Danny asked if someone wants to be baptized in Holy Spirit, and my husband he went in front, and I'm like, okay, I will go too. I mean, I don't know too much if I <laughs> what is it about, but um, and then they prayed for us, and my husband was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he started to speak in tongues right away, and it didn't happen to me, and they said, it's okay, take your time, you know, not everybody can start to speak in tongues right away, and it took me actually two years, and I already had um I was cuddling my Samuel baby and and I started to sing and after two years they prayed you know for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happened um on the same day but two years later. Wow. Yeah it was March seventh and then I started to instead of speaking in tongues I was singing to my baby in tongues and I'm like wow what is it? And I'm like <laughs> Honey, I think I'm speaking or singing in tongues. So this was interesting. I was starting from singing. And then I started to speak in tongues. But my husband, he got at home. He was sometime speaking it very um, in a different way, like more loud, more passion. He was like very loud. I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's interesting. And then... Um, then he, and God gave him, um, you know, a gift message in tongues for whole people for the congreg congregation. Yeah. Uh, um, so then he had um, many times at church, and then um, someone uh, had interpretation, and uh, uh, my husband didn't interpret it, or even I did twice. It was so exciting. Yeah. It was so powerful. It's um, uh, like Pastor Danny said last Sunday. It's very, very awesome. Because sometimes when you're in distress or you 
discouraged or you're in shock, you, you can't pray. I mean, it's just, you don't know how to pray. And when you pray in tongues, it's like Jesus is stuck praying on your behalf uh, to Father God. And so it's amazing because he knows what you need. Sometimes we don't know what you need. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so happy. I'm grateful for this gift. And, and I want to say it doesn't matter what your background, like if you're Lutheran or Catholic or whatever, you can do it. Yeah. You, you can speak in tongues and it's very helpful. It's amazing. You And then you feel power from God. You feel this, like, you know, like some kind of, I usually sit, I feel like I'm in the fog in the presence of God. It's like amazing, powerful. Yeah. And then God can speak through um, when during this time, like you're praying, you're asking for something and you can hear like a thought. I never heard like God's voice like other <clears throat> believers maybe, <laughs> um, but I hear a thought and I know it's from God right now because it's a presence. His mm. presence is very powerful. Amen. Amen. So, so cool. I mean, just kind of like a classic example of God, kind of like, I don't know, it, it's like his fun side and his jokester side where, okay, I'm going to take this guy who's saying, now nah, I'm never going to speak in tongues. That stuff is crazy. And now mm -hmm, here mm -hmm. he is speaking in tongues, interpreting messages and right. man, just in front incredible. Of many people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and like you said, um, you were having tr troubles with infertility. Doctors yeah. were saying, hey, probably not going to be able to have a kid. If you do, you're going to miscarry. But God said different. So what happened? Well, uh, yeah, we actually um, got pregnant and I had miscarriage. And um, it was um, not easy. Not like I got pregnant right away. It took some <laughs> years. And then miscarriage was hard because you tried for many, many years. And then, um, you know, you're losing this baby. You're losing your hope. And, and then you know it's not like for other women. I mean, not like I said, it's easy after miscarriage to anybody. But some women can get pregnant next month. I mean, you know, like after three months, for example, and yep. then having a baby. And for me, I know it might not happen or never happen. And then my age was, um, you know, I'm kind of um, after 30, infertility is already getting worse. And then I was, uh, you know, uh, 36 maybe and still not pregnant. And then so I was really discouraged because I'm like, God, I want to be here for my future kids, and I can't even have children. And so, uh, honestly, I got depressed, and I never took any medications because they never really helped me. Um, medications made me worse, you know, the the suicidal thoughts or something. So I know I never did that. And I stopped. Um, oh, I was smoking still. I went to church and I was, I stopped drinking, but I still was smoking. And then my husband um, didn't like it. Of course, he wanted me to stop smoking, but I, I, I just couldn't. Yeah, so we got miscarriage and we were so, um, you know, discouraged. And then and then I said, let's try another doctor, another doctor. So we finally we went to, we found a good infertility doctor in, in Minneapolis. Because here there, there are not good doctors around here. 
and they just don't know how to help when there's no hope. I had uh, a lot of tears, a lot of pain because I really want to have a baby. And I worked at Walmart and um, there were, for some reason, so many pregnant ladies and babies. And it was just, it's like when you have passion for something, for some reason, there are so many, like I wanted to have a baby. So, so I saw so many pregnant ladies around me and, and babies, and it was very hard to see. But um, I think it's um, like Pastor Andy and Pastor Danny said that I have to bless those people and praise God even when I don't feel it. Like um, I still say I praise you, God, even I don't have a baby. And I bless those all these ladies and babies, and I pray for healthy, for their health. But honestly, never felt it in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but God knows it. It, he will not judge it because he knows how you feel. But because you obey, you know, you say it out loud. I bless this pregnant lady, you know, and, and I pray for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Never felt I cried, but I did it. So this is um, for some reason when you obey God, he will bless you. Amen. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to even feel you know, you just say it out loud. That's that this obedience was, piece. Yeah. Yes, it's interesting because I said he will not give me a baby because I didn't do it from my heart. And so how long did it take for you to get pregnant? Well, after miscarriage, um, two years maybe, year and a half. And, uh, of course, I cried all the time when uh, church and everybody asked everybody to pray for me and, like, Every prayer service, so every you know, everywhere I go, I meet people, and I'm like, I can't get pregnant. So I, I told many people, and I asked them to pray. Like I, I didn't keep it inside me, just because I'm Russian, <laughs> <laughs> Russian American or something. I told everybody, and I cried in front of people. I didn't hide my grief, uh, my pain, and even when I worked at Walmart, oh my gosh, I've, all my, you know all co-workers knew and supervisors and when I cried to just say okay take your break <laughs> you need a break <laughs> they were so nice to me um, and then I said why do I really need to work at Walmart because I graduated uh, in 2007 um, I felt I needed to in uh, you know get some education here before I have a fame I mean before I have a baby <laughs> Um, in, to in, to speak better English, and then um, I got got my driver license when I was thirty. <laughs> I'm still not, you know, feeling good about driving. I'm still scared, but I do it because, <laughs> like in Russia, there's so many public transportations that people, um, most of women don't drive. Mm -hmm. Like my mom, she she never drove, drove a car. Uh, me too yeah and my husband taught me how to drive he got great here after <laughs> teaching me how to drive <laughs> like oh my gosh you know I feel bad about it but I passed the driver's test right away and um, yeah so it sounds like you kind of use that 
two years as like mm-hmm. kind of like a preparation stage to okay, not just if, but when I have a baby, I want to be, you know, just I, I want to have a lot of these kind of skills in my skill set, a lot of these tools in my tool belt. I want to be able to drive my baby to places if if they need to go to an appointment. Obviously, learning the English, I want to be able to talk to my baby mm-hmm, and then to understand mm-hmm. me, me yes. understand them. And so it sounds like you were really proactive and just like, all right, I'm just going to learn and just continue to develop myself. And then yeah. two years later, found out you're pregnant. Like I said, they they prayed for us all the time. The, the thing is, is that it was God encouraged me. And because I was a baby believer, baby Christian, I didn't really understand, understood too much. Like people said, I I have like this. God said this, or I saw a vision of you being pregnant. I I God give you this verse, and then um you know, then I I just didn't believe it completely. Um, I guess I just was not, you know, I had no face right away. You know, it was maybe like a must masters. Um, Mustard seed? Mustard seed, yeah. Um, it was really small. That's <laughs> all it takes, though. Yes. So, But then, suddenly, we got a new co-worker. Um, and she said, I came from Chicago, and we just talked during lunchtime. And she said, and of course, I told her, oh, I'm so unhappy. I need a baby. I can't get pregnant. She's like, okay, I will pray for you. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> One more person will pray for me. It's just like, oh, thank you. And then suddenly, you know, I came to, uh, one day I come, came to work and I opened my locker and I'm like some piece of paper crumbled like like this and like crumbled. I'm like, oh, what garbage is in my locker? I'm like, oh, I'm not touching it. And then after work, I'm like, I probably should look at the paper. <laughs> And it was, I opened it and I was like, oh my gosh. And it was saying that uh, God heard your prayer. And um, it said that um, you obtain favor from the Lord, um, that he will grant me my heart's desire to have a baby. I'm like, what? Is it for me? So this was a prophecy that she crumbled these papers because she couldn't open my locker. It was some uh, little uh, holes, yep. you know, that she could fit it in. And and I thought, oh, you know, God said that he will give me a baby. And then next day, I got another note that it said, God will answer my prayer soon and I should prepare for the baby. And like, I started to take vitamins, stop smoking, and I'm like, Okay, I mean, not stop smoking, but I'm just saying it. She, it, she said that uh, you need to be prepared, start to take vitamins, like special vitamins and stuff. And I'm like, hmm, okay. It, it, it was really, you know, the turning point that, wow, maybe I will have a baby. Maybe God will answer my prayer. And But then I didn't believe it. Like, again, I I didn't have enough faith yet. And then I remember I was, um, another co-worker had a baby, and she came to visit us. Uh, She was staying home with the baby. And she was holding this little cute baby, and and I felt so jealous. I had so much pain, even because I I was starting to wait. And then... The next uh, month, I think, I 
I still didn't get pregnant. So I called my coworker. I'm like, you said I will have a baby soon. <laughs> she said, soon? I didn't say next month or something. And, she, and then I remember I was smoking and upset a little bit. <laughs> and um, yeah, but then, she, then next month, I think it was, yeah, next month I came to work and she said, you look different. I'm like, really? She said, you look kind of puffed or something like my face. I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then, and then I'm like, okay, you know, I just didn't think about anything. Then another, um, the same time, uh, my husband was baptized in June in, in water, you know, water had water baptism. And then I said, you know what, I'm not ready. I'm really depressed. I think you need to be happy to get baptized. You need to have your testimony already be done. And then I say, no, I'm not pregnant. I don't want to be baptized yet. <laughs> and, but Pastor Danny said, Okay, okay. No, no, no. You have you need you you need to be baptized first. You go through this in faith. You you know, you 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 will get baptized and then God will bless you with a baby. He said, you know, it will be soon. So he prophesied too and um and and then I wrote my testimony and after two days um I, we, you know, I found out, we found out in early morning. I couldn't sleep. I was like so excited, six in the morning. I'm like, you know, let's do the, let's try check. I mean, let's do the pregnancy test. And it was positive. And I, <laughs> I was so excited. Oh, and um, I was saying, you know what? God is real. Yeah. I said it this, when I saw the pregnancy test positive, I said to my husband, God is real. And I know heaven is real, so I don't afraid to die. Mm. Wow. And and after that, I threw away my cigarettes. <laughs> no more smoking. Never did. Never had any drinks anymore. No, never had any more. Um, you know, never smoked anymore. Since even you know now, I don't drink, don't smoke. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be a good mama. <laughs> I don't want my children uh, repeat all of the negative, you know, bad things that I did. Sure. So, wow. What a, what a just, I, I don't know what else to say other than an incredible testimony, again, in and of itself of you becoming pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, nine months goes by, you give birth. What was it like when the doctors gave, gave you your baby, they, they put your baby in your arms? What was that moment like well, for you? The thing that I don't really know exactly what slaver and birth <laughs> I had this action <laughs> and the, th well, the funny thing I was so terrified of pain like you know they said it's painful and I'm like God I don't want to go through this I want c-section and be done like you know <laughs> and, and then uh, and then I remember they said um, yeah it's time for you to have a baby they tried to in induce you. induce me and and there's uh, no way I, they said other women would be already reading you not then, and then probably will send you home. I'm like, oh no, oh no. And then it was um, already late in the day and, and they checked me again and the doctor said, oh no, 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 we, we have to do uh, emergency C-section. Something was not going right. Um, probably just too much inductions or something. They made um, very 
problem with a baby heartbeat or something. So I'm like, oh, thank God, it's how I wanted. <laughs> and, and then many people still think that it's um, crazy to want C-section because they think it's a surgery and it's painful. But no, thank God, it was great. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, my husband was watching this stuff. I'm like, yeah, brave guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> he said, oh, I went hunting before and I grew, he grew up in kind of a little hobby farm and he, you know, saw he's, stuff. <laughs> he's, he's seen the birthing process. <laughs> Some yeah. kind of animal stuff, yeah. And um, so he was, yeah, watching it and and he, and I just, when, when I heard baby crying, I just said, Ras, uh, honey, is it? Is he beautiful? I was just worried about if if he's he's supposed to be beautiful. That's what I was thinking about. I don't <laughs> want an ugly baby, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he said, "Yes, yes." Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they all look the same, right? <laughs> but usually, your baby for some reason looks more beautiful than others. <laughs> yeah, because it's yours. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah. So. And of course, his we named him Samuel, cause I'm like Hannah, was crying like crazy, and I said I um, was so passionate, and I was crying out to God so much. So one time I said even that, um, God, if you not give me baby a baby, I will die. <laughs> it's so crazy, <laughs> yeah. So. And 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 I always wanted a boy, so he gave me boy. And it's so funny we, we when we had still counseling at Pastor Andy's, then um, with Pastor Andy, and then he said, "I saw, I think I see vision." He prayed for a baby too because there was a point that yeah he knew that we needed a, we wanted a baby. And he said he was praying and he had the vision. He said, "I think I see a little girl," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." I don't want a girl. I want a boy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> must be someone else's vision, right? No, I, I, Samuel had. He looked like so cute, like a girl. He had curly hair, blonde. Uh, so he was so cute, baby. He looked like a girl. I, I think because he said, "Okay, I'm not sure." I thought I saw a girl. And then I'm still feeling bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry. How you can even <laughs> say to someone? Who's seen a prophecy? Then no, 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 God, I want a boy. <laughs> yeah, give me a different one. Give me a yes. different prophecy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so and then, yeah, and we had, of course, baby Samuel, miracle baby, very thankful. And yeah, my I was almost thirty-eight when I had my first baby, but you know, I felt very good. I felt you know very young, and the, the C-section was great. Next day, I was jumping, and I didn't need any medication. <laughs> <laughs> then I remember I came when I came back with a little baby and I said, Pastor Danny, I had a wonderful C-section. He said, oh, how can it be a wonderful C-section? Yeah, he's probably never heard that before. <laughs> no, I said, I didn't even take any medication the next day. I was so good. Yeah, and so, of course, we thought baby Samuel, it's it, right? I, it's be grateful for one baby. And then when I was... <clears throat> still nursing and was Samuel was like probably 16 months old we found out that um, I'm pregnant again 
Wow. And I'm like, well, yeah. Um, the and I was I started to feel like it's mis I could have miscarriage, and then we ask old church and you know our church friends and to pray for us because I was start I started to bleed and it was kind of you know the same thing uh, bleeding and stuff and so people prayed and and because um, I got some a doctor from Minneapolis uh, it's for Samuel too they gave me some medicine to help um, to carry a baby and then the second time too they gave me progesterone um, so then yeah we got we 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 went through this and um, then I didn't miscarry thank God um, and then everything was fine I felt great and then we had this test you know like um, spina bifida then um, Down syndrome another some kind of test like at certain weeks sixteen maybe and then um, and they called me and and then they said you are positive for spina bifida. And I'm like, what this? What's this about? What's going on? So uh, I went online, and uh, you know, you try to research online. I didn't know what's it, what is it, and then I start to, I st of course, I start to, you know, freaked out, and uh, <laughs> I start to feel nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's he can be in a, be sick, and you know, the spine, uh, he could not even maybe he will not walk, and you know, so we we. We called Pastor Danny. We we called our friends. We said, like pray, pray, pray. I don't know what to do. And Pastor Danny said, "Okay, we will do a special prayer service for this." And again, they prayed in tongues, and we had the great, um, the powerful God's message that my husband, um, you know, performed, and uh, someone interpreted that. You know, no worries. God will God ha will handle it. Everything will be fine. And Pastor Danny said too that you know he will be okay the baby will be okay and um just watch just wait and watch and it will be a miracle again and when they prayed um people said that they felt like god was healing the baby inside me and i'm like okay thank you thank you so i'm so thankful for my church family um pastor danny and all other people pastor andy um thankful for all who prayed for us and then we went to like after uh we went to Minneapolis for uh, levels two and ultrasound, and and they said, you know, the doctor was surprised that everything looked perfect. Oh man! Yeah, praise God! Praise God! Yeah, and then we found out at the same time that it's a boy, and then I said, God, I want some some good name, some kind of prophet. <laughs> like Samuel was a prophet. The Nazar, I said, something like would be nice. And I opened the Bible and it was a story about prophet Simeon was blessing baby Jesus. And then I said, okay, I got the name, Simeon. Just I said, God, I don't know how to pronounce it, but <laughs> help me. Um, and it's so, those are two miracle babies, Samuel and Simeon. And it's kind of funny, wherever school we, they go or place, you know, the school, like, oh, we, we never, you know, we don't have other Samuel, we don't have other Simeon at all. There's a, you know, people don't know named Simeon. And I, um, and then they, when they ask how, you know, what kind of name, you know, where you got get it from. And I'm like, hi, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, story about him miracles that you know 
How cool you get to witness to people yeah. just by telling them Even why you named them Simeon. Especially at public schools, you know, I always tell them how they are, you know, miracle babies and, uh, you know, how we they, we prayed and the church prayed and I couldn't get pregnant. So it's a, it's a testimony wherever I go because they say name. No, Samuel is kind of more common maybe, but not too often, right? Yep. And then Simeon, it's no other... <laughs> No other name. Not very I mean, common not name. too many babies named Simeon. Wow. Yeah. What an incredible testimony of, of God. Just, I mean, looking back at, at our time together here, Natalia, just all those dreams and desires that you had in your heart, even from a young age of wanting love, wanting protection, wanting provision, mm -hmm. wanting to have a family. And here you are all these years later, and God has answered each and every one of those prayers. And my mind is just blown of just how good God is. And there may be a woman out there who is dealing with things that you have dealt with, whether it's just looking for love, whether it's surviving sexual abuse, whether it's dealing with infertility. I'm wondering what advice do you have for them? The first is just you never give up on praying and asking God. You never stop passionately asking God. And even if you feel like, maybe you feel like God is saying no, still keep pressing, keep asking, keep praying. Because God gives you this desire that it's from Him. And in His timing, He will answer your prayers. It takes time because sometimes He wants to prune your character through this pain. Um, it's like you have to go through a test before you get to a point to tell a testimony, you have to go through pain to gain a great blessing in your life. So don't give up. It will be great. It will be uh, you will be blessed. God is good all the time. Amen. So Natalia, one of the last parts of your testimony includes God's provision and faithfulness as you and your husband have given to building projects at River of Life over the last however many years, right? I mean, you guys have been super involved in those. Tell us how God has just done amazing things through your finances. It's kind of interesting that when I was in Russia, I wanted to be rich. You know, it's just how I looked at people when I was not a believer, by the way they dress, by the way what car they had, how like what clothes they had, how how nice they looked. So I loved people who uh, were wealthy, you know, rich. And then I, my dream was to get rich. <laughs> I guess uh, the thing that I came to Jesus too, like God knows what you need. Those people who Tell, told me about the shared face about Jesus. They were not poor. They were really very wealthy. And I thought, and when I grew up in Russia, we have, of course, Orthodox churches. And there's uh, people usually very poor. It's it's good. I mean, you don't have you don't have have money to you know to be uh, to have God in your life, right? You can be happy like without. Uh, possessions and all of this uh, worldly uh, rich, riches and uh, but God knew because I had fears to become a believer I thought I don't want to be poor I was poor when I was a little girl 
I was, I don't want. And uh, so those people, <laughs> they were not, they were really wealthy. And um, I mean, not like really, really, but, and they, they um, took care of me. They paid like, if we went to have lunch and I'm like, gosh, they're paying for me and I'm saving some money because everything I needed just, you know, I had no enough. We didn't ha have a, a lot of money at first. And then, so then I thought, hmm, I guess I can will be a believer and I don't have to be poor. So this helped me, you know, for some reason, for some funny people like me. And then the thing that um, how God used this, uh, the church building project to, um, to, to teach us to give above and beyond, even we don't have enough, like in a bank account, even you have some expenses, you need to pay for some, you know, stuff. And then when Pastor Danny, one time I was upset that uh, my husband wanted to give all our savings to uh, the church building project. And I and I, I was so upset. I'm like, you are a loser. You are a loser. I, I don't want to have husband who is a loser. You want to give everything we we wanted to go to Russia for, to you know, to have a trip to Russia and it's cost a lot of money. And I'm like, you want to give everything. And then in the end, and then after a little bit, he said he wants to double his building project commitment. You know, the the face commitment. And I was. Mad. I was so upset. And then I went to Pastor Danny and I said, Pastor Danny, I have marriage problem because of your building. He was like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know what? God will bless you. You just, he talked about giving. He, he was teaching me <laughs> like for one hour probably that giving is a blessing. You just give and let God to take, to provide. And and it was and then he said God will bless you God will provide and it will be a big testimony, and so God did. I mean, he like he gave us everything. We didn't even touch any of this, those uh, you know the money we saved for Russian trip. God blessed us with extra income, and then you know it was enough for the building project, enough for Russian trip, and we, it was amazing. And then got, my husband, through this, got promoted. And so he got promoted because we promised to God, you know, to give. Then the second building project, again, and I mean, I was already excited to give to the church because I, I had faith, you know. I, I God, you know, never failed. He never failed. So then I'm like, oh, Pastor Danny, I want to give a lot because God will... I feel like God will do something big in my life. And then like, and suddenly my husband gets, um, <clears throat> gets a phone call uh, from some guy he worked before. And he said, you know, I'm opening a new company in Jamestown in North Dakota. I want you to be a plant manager. I want you to be in charge of this company. And he's like, I'm like, okay, yeah, we go, go. And so we went to North Dakota. And, and then uh, the thing that he promised some, um, you know, he, he had the, pledge money pledge he promised and then he got a annual bonus uh, like the same exactly the same exact amount and then it was like wow we we shared with pastor Danny, and then he had a testimony i think we lived in north dakota and he was talking about us here how god just you know uh, can do all of these things and if you trust 
if you go through a test, like, okay, I have a faith that even we don't have those money right now, God will give us. And now we, we are back to uh, River of Life Church because of third building project. Because And now, of course, I'm like, again, my husband actually, I, I, we talked about one amount and then he, he said, no, I want to double it. I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And But now we have, um, I don't want to be proud of it, but because I was jealous about uh, what how, like how, houses, I wanted... Um, some kind of fancy house or something. I don't know why I was jealous. I guess I'm not perfect Christian. <laughs> None of us are. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, but I think sometimes through jealousy, and then when you confess, okay, God, I'm jealous. I want a nice house. Um, well, some people maybe want a nice car or something. Uh, and then uh, you confess, and then uh, God will bless you because you you, you humble yourself. And you said, okay, if you will, you will give me uh, a, a nice place or something. And and then, yeah, and, and, we, and um, when we decided to move, we sold our house in Jamestown. On the same day, like our realtor sold our house in Jamestown, and the same day we were here in Minnesota and we bought the house, um, and, and then we... They gave us more money in Jamestown for the house, and we uh, we made a less offer on the house here in in Richmond. And now it's we got a nice place. I, I don't want to be proud, but it's a nice house. I never dreamed about. Yeah, I mean, and then I'm like, really? Is it for me? I didn't. I didn't. You know, like I wasn't didn't earn it or something. Kind of like I had no hope. Even mm-hmm. somehow we we didn't even know we can afford this house. Yeah, and my husband, of course, got promoted too, and he got a new job. And so, giving is a big blessing. Giving to missionaries, giving to the church, taking care of poor, uh, helping my family in Russia, uh, you know, helping other poor people in different countries, and um, and God will. You know, provide. He is faithful. Yeah, you you can't outgive God, and He's like Scripture says He He knows how to give His children good gifts, right? Right. And, and we need to just focus on storing up those heavenly treasures, and and like you said, being generous and being obedient with what God's telling you. Because look what happened to to you and your family. You have got you guys have been. So obedient, you've given beyond your means, and God mm-hmm. has blessed you like tenfold in return. And it's just incredible to hear. Right. And yes. And it, and you need to give it from your heart, not like, okay, if I I will give and God will give me back. No, you don't you don't you have to be honest, you know, you, you shouldn't think this way. Right. <laughs> you just give it from your heart and, right. and then it's up to God, right? Yep. <laughs> it's like Pastor Danny said. He doesn't know anybody who would, uh, who you know, who would give to the church, and then they will like in a bad financial situation. Yep. So, and I'm excited. Well, Natalia, your life is just one testimony after another, and 
like I said, your your story needs to I, I really pray that your story just reaches all the corners of the world because it's so powerful. It's so evident what God has done in your life and how he's shown up in your life. And I just want to thank you again for taking time out of your day and overcoming your fears and anxieties to come on and share your story because it this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Now that is the kind of testimony that needs to be made into a movie or a book. My goodness, what an incredible story Natalia has. And in fact, she actually typed up a lot of the story that you just heard and made her own little booklet that she's giving out. So if you want a copy, contact River of Life Church and I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. You know, when I hear Natalia's story, I think about Isaiah 118, where it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Jesus has removed the stain of sin from Natalia's past, and she's been made clean by her belief in him as Lord and Savior. And that goes for anyone listening. If you feel the dirt, shame, or guilt... From sin in your life, all you have to do is hand it over to Jesus, believe in your heart he can make you clean, and you will be purified. Just what an amazing God we serve that he is willing to do that for us. And if you have any questions about Natalia's testimony, use the hashtag AskTWT and we'll have her answer a few. And before I go, if this podcast is a blessing to you, send it to a friend or family member, share it on social media, leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify so that these testimonies and the hope that they bring can reach as many people as we can. Also, make sure to follow me on social media at TWTerryPod and like the Testimonies with Terry Facebook page. Until next time, live your life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.